Welcome to episode 69 of the Gamer Node Show. I'm Eddie Anzato, your host and editor-in-chief of GamerNode.com, and I'm here once again with Bianca Figueroa Santana to talk about some games. How are you doing, Bianca? I'm really good. I'm great. How are you? Great. Great. I'm great, too. It's great that you're great. It's great that I'm great. And we're all great. So let's get on with this great podcast. Um, so today, today we're going to talk about a couple games. And, are, uh, are you sure? Yeah, sometimes we do talk about games on this show. I know a lot of it is about politics and religion and sports, but today we're going to focus on games only. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Okay, so um, I don't know, what, what should we start with? We just played a game like moments ago, pretty much. Yeah. Which we played so, a bunch of times. So I guess the question is, do you want the good news first or the bad news first? I think you always Always leave, bad. Yeah, always leave with the bad news. So. Yeah. And I, I mean, I don't want to go out... Relatively <sighs> speaking. Because one game is phenomenal and the other is not so good. Yeah, one's just okay. Yeah. Well, we'll see. So... So the okay news. So let's uh, talk about the game we were just playing. It's called Civscape. It is a civilization-building card game, nominally. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a card game in which two to five players are drawing and playing cards out into a tableau in front of them to try to acquire various buildings and technology cards that will eventually satisfy win conditions that they'll also find on cards that they draw out of the same deck. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you think? You know, I liked... I sort of like this game in terms of... in theory, um, and even to some extent in practice. Actually, I would say I do like it in practice, except for a few things, and one of those things is the amount of text on the cards and they're like a million words on each card yeah like you know it's a a regular playing card deck size but almost the entire card um is taken up with words on a, a significant number of the cards and it's sort of sad to admit of course because it's something about our technological age where we can't sustain our attention for more than two seconds but i i just i have a really hard time sitting there and reading two paragraphs of text and so I tend to skim it, and then I do things wrong, and then it, it's just, it's not conducive to a great flow. Yeah, and I actually, when I first played the game, we've played this a bunch of times in, in a, a variety of scenarios, and uh, at first I said to myself, oh, look, everything's just written on the cards, it's so easy, like, you just you just do it, and whatever's there, you read, and it's the, that's the rules, the instructions are included, but... As I played with different groups of people, I noticed, like, it was not conducive to, like you said, a smooth gameplay experience. Because you get five cards in your hand to start, so now you have to look at these five cards and read the entire text of all five cards before you can really decide. And there are times throughout the game when you'll get an influx of multiple cards that you'll then have to figure out, and and you have this, this pile basically a novella's worth of (laughs) words in your hand that you have to, like, recall all at once to know what cards you want to play. 
However, the gameplay is pretty basic in terms of what you're doing. You're on a, on any given turn, you're playing one or more cards depending on how many cards you already have laid out in front of you in your little timeline and skyline area, which is basically two horizontal rows of cards, thus named. And then when you're done playing those cards and and resolving their effects, which are a lot of take that sort of mechanics like making a player discard stuff, or if he has fewer trade buildings than you, he gives you one, or or make everyone discard cards down to their hand limit based on whatever government they ha card they have in their timeline. So once you're done resolving the card, you then draw cards back. So it's pretty simple, but really the crux of the game is getting your hands on one of these specific victory condition cards that typically have a pair of symbols that are identical to one another that you need to play, this card that needs to be played once you have two of those symbols out on your play area already. Um, or some of them have a condition like if five, if you have five culture cards in your skyline or timeline, then you win when you play this card. So in that way, it's kind of like the game Flux, the, the card game Flux, which is very popular and has a million different variations. If you haven't played Flux, basically there are the, these keeper cards that ha are one symbol or another. Usually the, the win condition is have these two symbols, so it's very similar in that regard, but without all the crazy rule changes of Flux. And still has the take that sort of mechanics, but doesn't have that crazy rule change situation where you're drawing, you know, drawing a million cards and discarding one on a turn. So the, the turn structure always remains the same, and that differentiates it, as well as the theme. So it's a, it's a super simple game, but there's like, it almost seems like there's a disparity between the investment in figuring out what you're playing compared to what the game actually is in terms of complexity. Yeah, I would say that that's accurate. Yeah. Yeah, you feel like there's a really shallow learning curve, and then you learn it, and you're like, wait, I just spent a lot of time doing what seemed like a lot of work to learn this, and now it's as simple as I thought it was originally. Mm -hmm. um, and I think you touched on this, but maybe we didn't flesh it out. The other thing, the other gripe that I have is just the sheer number of cards that you can accumulate, and then it compounds the issue of there being too much text on the card. So at times, especially this last game we played, I had something like 20 cards in my hands, and it was... It pretty much is impossible to keep track of what's going on. It's like I have to sort them into piles, and then I have to flip them up, and then sort of like cross-reference the piles to try to figure out what I can do in my hand, with my hand, and that makes my turn probably like five times longer than is yeah. really necessary. Right, and then on the other hand, as in our most recent game, another player can just be utterly decimated and have one card or two cards. Essentially, you know, some games have a a sort of catch-up mechanic, whereas this game has a runaway leader mechanic. <laughs> like, other games put things in place to protect from a runaway leader, whereas this one makes it more likely to do better if you're in the lead, because you have more cards out on your table, you can then play more cards, you can then draw more cards, so it, like, it encourages these wide margins between players. And in a two-player game, I guess you see that, 
Um, although sometimes in a two-player game, it's over super quickly, so you don't actually get to the point where it is out of hand, and it kind of feels like a little normal. But in something like a five-player game, uh, you have cards just flying back and forth across the table, this guy hurting that guy, that guy taken from this guy, you having to discard down to three, this person having eight, um, this one has you know, seven cards on the table, this person just has their city card, and it's just a little too crazy, and definitely way, way more swingy than I would really like. It's pretty detrimental to only have a few cards. Like, in the last game where I was where, as you said, you were getting decimated, you had, like, two or three cards, and that is, it's a game of odds, because you're looking generally for a pair of two cards that you need in order to win. And so the more cards you draw and have access to, the greater the odds are that you're going to get the two cards you need. Mm. So if you keep, you know, there's not really much strategy if you have two or three cards. You can't do a whole lot unless those two or three cards happen to be excellent and exactly what you need. And in, in any game, you can start off with the other players immediately knocking you down to three cards, mm-hmm. immediately taking your cards away anytime you try to play them. Um, for example, this last game, I started with two of the cards that have the square symbol. So all I needed was to play those two and get the victory condition that included the, the double square. And it just never happened because you got cards that that hurt me really hard, really fast. What I say? I, it feels like I'm fighting Mike Tyson. Yeah. 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 Um, and I was stealing your cards, too. Yeah, over and over, every turn. Yeah. And that's another thing, is that if you can steal cards, you kn- you already know what's in another player's tableau, so if you know, hey, that is the last card that I need to satisfy this win condition, okay, well, I'm just going to steal that, assuming right. I get a card. So that's the other thing, is... And if you have a lot of cards down already, on one turn, you can say, I'm playing this mm-hmm. one, and this one, which are both the same symbol, and this one, which is the victory condition that includes... So it's like, all of a sudden, the game end happens. Which, I thought was cool at first, but sometimes it's not. <laughs> In actuality. I think you said it the best right at the beginning. In theory, it's it's a good game. Um... So what would you rate it on the gamer note scale? I would I would rate it. I would rate it a two. A two. I I honestly contemplated giving it a one, except that I did have something of an urge to play it again. Uh, the one thing that I the other it's thing kind is of that fun while you're playing, right? <laughs> it is like it, it is fun. It's not a terrible game at all, but again, it's theoretically a great game, and then. The execution is a little rough at this point. Um, and the other thing that, for me, makes it a little... Uh, prompts me to lower my rating is that it reminds me in theme of Seven Wonders Duel um, and Seven <laughs> Wonders. And so, even though the mechanics are entirely different, I was most psyched about the theme. So when I was like, hey, I don't really love the mechanics of this, and then there's other games that have the same theme that I enjoy better. So then it becomes useless. No, I, I would give it a two. Hmm. Yeah, so a two is uh, games are substandard experiences, not always enjoyable, although some players will find something worthwhile hidden inside. Don't count them out completely. They could have been all right with a little extra effort. Genre fans may still enjoy these games. Mm. Yeah, uh, I'm, I tend to sort of agree with that. 
somewhere between two and three, I guess. Good, three being good, likable games that provide positive play experiences. They're not revolutionary, but not bad. They're solid and entertaining. May not set everyone's hearts on fire, but many will find them to be enjoyable. They're worth trying out and may even surprise you. I think it's closer to a two than that, than that maybe, because it's not really a solid game mechanically. You it, didn't sound like you enjoyed it, and it, then most of the time you found it to be a solid game-playing experience. <laughs> yeah, um, but the thing is, it is entertaining, like, in a bigger group especially, where it's just so stupid, everyone's just laughing at, like, how, you know, someone is getting shat on, <laughs> basically. <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny. I mean, we were just, we were kind of laughing the whole time when I played in a group of five. Um, but yeah, more like a two and a half from me. Mm. <sighs> I like the art. I still kind of like it, though, which is... Yeah, there's something about it. There's something about it. And yeah. I do like the art on the cards that have art. Right, on all <laughs> the, the skyline buildings. Yeah, those, those that art is cool. Right. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, sort of giving away already how we feel about it, but a thematically relevant game because it was just Halloween. Ooh, Halloween. I don't know. <laughs> I wish we'd played it on Halloween. Yeah. Um, Mansions of Madness, second edition in a giant box with a lot of empty space. <laughs> but I managed to stuff all my Mansions of Madness first edition things in there, too. You were very um, proud of that. I am, because that box is gigantic and had a lot of empty space, and the Mansions of Madness original box was already pretty big, um, and I didn't want both of them on the shelf. So, thus, the, the action to stuff it all in there. Anyway... Manage the Madness 2nd Edition, a game by Fantasy Flight, uh, designed by Nikki Valens, I believe, and requiring an app to play in a fully cooperative mode, way unlike Manage the Madness 1st Edition, which sort of got a bad rap because setup time was ultra-precise in that if you did something wrong, it could ruin the game. Um, but also it took a long time and it had the you know the one versus many aspect of gameplay that some people are not so much into because you kind of want to have the same experience together um, some people are really into it but but I think the prevailing sentiment is that a co-op is better than an overlord versus other people co-oping right mm. I agree I didn't like that aspect of it yeah and it's a horror-themed sort of exploration. It's kind of like a dungeon crawl that is not a dungeon. It's a sort of haunted mansion, and it has a Cthulhu theme to it, so you, you'll be facing off with cultists and other heinous, grotesque monsters that come out of gates to other worlds and such, and there's all this mysterious uh, occult stuff going on throughout the story and you'll be encountering locked doors and puzzles you have to solve to advance and at certain points throughout the game your player's sanity will be affected or you'll have status ailments that do other things to hinder your progress 
And of course, you'll be taking damage in terms of straight physical damage or longer term physical effects that will impair your ability to perform in combat. And there's this cool system based on eight sided dice where you're checking against your various stats on your player card. It's just a really cool sort of role-playing dungeon crawl type game with a horror Cthulhu type setting. So if you're into that sort of theme, this is the one that nails it probably better than anything I've played anyway. This one, great, right? This was phenomenal. <laughs> phenomenal. I, I, you know, it was so much better than the first edition for me. I was just like blown out of the water by how good it was and the fact and it again I've already made this allusion to our like technological society I'm like a technophobe completely and so I you know at first I was like sort of cranky like we need an app like that's super annoying I don't like this and then it was awesome and made it like just a lot more organized and a lot more dramatic because there were sound effects and there was um you know imagery that was on the screen and it just felt a lot more dynamic. Yeah. Uh, and a lot more involved. It was just more involved. Yeah, but even so, the app, I think this is the best implementation of an app in a board game that I've seen because even with the app, it doesn't overshadow the board game experience. It just guides you. It says, okay, now use this piece. Mm. Um, it's a lot like the Road to Legend app for Descent. Um, which I still don't think is as good as this. That was sort of like the trial run for Mansions of Madness 2nd Edition's app. But, um, you know, it tells you what of all the things that you have do you use, like what do you pull out at this moment, and then from that point you just play the game and the app sits and waits for you to say, okay app, I we've done this now, tell us what's beyond this door. You know, the, the app doesn't run the game. The game runs the app, which is a supplement. And that, I think, is the perfect way to have a, an app-driven game, as they call it. Yeah, I agree. I think, it was, I think it was really well executed. And I think that there was a greater... I thought the mechanics were tighter in the sense that there were some new um, aspects, like the clue... The clue tokens, I think, sort of shored up some of the gaps that were, that I felt were lacking in the other game. Um, I liked that mechanic that you can you can exchange clue tokens for essentially what are second chances or um, mm-hmm. additional clues, and it felt really well. It felt really well balanced. Like at one point, I thought we were both about to die, and then we realized that we had like a second, essentially a second life, right. um, for lack of a better term. Um, and I but was it still to, felt suspenseful it did but I was about to be so panicked because I was like I'm enjoying this so much and we're both about to die and then what's going to happen and then that's I guess what I mean when I think that it is very balanced what I anticipated and intuited being there was there mm-hmm. um, which was awesome and speaking of that second life mechanic and you know the the player life and death cycle essentially is there's also a mechanic in the game where if a player becomes insane, they then have an entirely different goal that they're going for for the rest of the game, and that can work against the other investigators as you play through. 
which is really cool. So it has like its own sort of built-in but kind of hidden away trader mechanic, which is awesome for a co-op game. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think it's worth for those people who didn't play the original and haven't played this to talk about the puzzles because that yep. is a really cool and also genuinely challenging part of the game. So sometimes you are, I mean, as you may have said or people may have surmised it by this point, you're investigating and so you're looking for clues. Some clues you can't readily access because they're, for example, behind some sort of closed door um, and therefore you need to solve puzzles. So some of the puzzles, one that you had was essentially, you had different parts of an image and you had to, and they make these in real life, there's like little plastic thingies, but whatever. Oh yeah, where you're sliding different sections of an image left and right to make the, the real image, they're out of order. Exactly, so that's how it, that's exactly what it was. And then we had one that was the classic, well, you have four colors, and they go in a certain order, and they, where, which order are they in? And that was a really, that was, uh, that took us a long time. There was a lot of trial and it error. It took a in few that. turns. It took, yeah, it took a few turns, um, and it required both of our heads being put together. Uh, and those are definitely challenging, and that can be frustrating. Um, I think that's one of the, so sort of going on a related but sort of tangential thought, the game, uh, because of this and some other aspects, is not a light game in the sense that if I am looking to play like a nice game, you know, before bed or whatever, <laughs> um, it's not one of those games. Like You really have to be ready to sit down for an hour to an hour and a half and be like, all right, I'm going to be exercising my brain. I'm going to yeah. be after like thinking hard, um, which is obviously great sometimes but if you're not in the mood then you shouldn't play this yeah i would certainly call it a gamer's game for sure mm -hmm. yeah um but you just reminded me <clears throat> but you also just reminded me of more awesome things about the app um when you do have a puzzle like that if one player starts working on a puzzle say to open some gate to another world or whatever that may or may not be a real thing um, and they don't finish the puzzle the game quietly stores mm -hmm. your progress moves on to the next player's turn and if someone else comes back to that puzzle it picks up where you left off and you can actually save the game's status like if you don't want to finish your full game you can say okay we're gonna quit right now the app will store everything and you can come back to it and then open up your save file, set the board back up how it shows, and the game will resume. Really cool. Yeah, that is really cool. Especially because sometimes it can be a really heavy game that takes a while, so it can be nice. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, because the various quests, the various missions that the investigators are on, you, you don't really know exactly how long it's going to be. Some are shorter than others, some are much longer mm -hmm. yeah that's a good point but all of them are a lot of fun yeah they really are yeah and another cool thing is that in this new second edition box for those of you who did have the original game um, and were happy with it but are now looking for more it has a conversion kit that takes all of the old characters 
and now makes them second edition playable characters. And uh, in the app, you go in to the options and you select what you have, which core sets you have, and which expansions you have, and therefore, you know, which tiles you have available, which monster figures you have available, which cards you have available, all this stuff. Um, which is really cool. It's a really sort of modular experience, so you put together the game that you are able to draw from. And I like that. The first game we played, I think, almost everything, all, almost all the tiles that were randomly chosen by the app came from the first game. Yeah. yeah so you don't feel like you're, you're wasting that old set of stuff. I like that a lot. And I mean, everything still looks super cool, right? Like, all of the components are pretty awesome. Yeah, the art is great. I feel like that's what I say a lot. <laughs> but the art is really great. I love the the actual mansion tiles. Um, you know, because they're bird's eye view, but they also have this, like, sort of, like, 3D-esque image, imagery, and they look great. The colors are great. The card... Um, the card art is great, especially the new the new cards that are included in the second edition. Overall, just really great. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's not uncommon for a player to just completely not be drawn into a game simply because of how it looks. So the fact that this looks really cool, you know, thing what you're doing is immersive and fun looking, makes the gameplay that much more enjoyable and that much more appealing to other players to all get very involved. You know, say you're kind of a nerd, someone who's a little bit more obsessed with <laughs> games, Me per either. se, and you want some of your friends who are like kind of less into it, or maybe they've only played like Ticket to Ride or Settlers of Catan, um, you want to say, hey, come jump in this crazy mansion with me, and they're like, holy balls that looks cool <laughs> as hell um so that that's that's a bonus Aww. so yeah uh mansion of madness second edition what's your rating i think i might it might be a solid it, it's it might be a five for me i think it would be a five for me um solid five a solid five definitely in a specific genre and in a specific like you said it's more of a gamer's game um, but in within those categories, definitely a five. Yeah. Excellent, must-buy game. Negative qualities are few and far between, making it an overwhelmingly enjoyable classic experience. Yeah, it's not necessarily perfect, but Did a majority we... of gamers are sure to fall in love with this game. Everyone should own or play, or at least play this. Did we even say any negative things? Is there anything negative to say? No, that's why... Like, I, it could be long. Yeah, I guess it could um, be long, yeah. It could be a little... It could be unappealing to to certain gamers for sure. being too heavy. Sure. And the theme, you know, like, not everyone is into Cthulhu. And a lot of people feel that it's kind of played out. But I don't. I'm a Lovecraft fan, and I am into horror stuff. And I think this one does it the best. Like, of of pretty much all of them. Yeah, it's that's hard for me to conceive of something that's more well done. Yeah. So yeah, that's Mansion of Madness 2nd Edition. 5 out of 5 from both of us. 
Yeah. Wow. That's like something special right there. That really is. <laughs> that really is. So good job there, Fantasy Flight, Nikki Valens, and the team on Manage the Madness 2nd Edition. Uh, we salute you. So there you have it. Two fantastic games. <laughs> or at least one and another game. Let's <laughs> um, <laughs> Manage the Madness 2nd Edition. And uh, Civscape, the civilization building card game. Yeah. That's what we've been playing. Um, that's all we got for you this time. But keep an eye out for our latest reviews on YouTube and on the website. Follow us on Twitter and on Facebook. And of course, stay tuned for our next episode. I'm Eddie Inzotto. And I'm Bianca Figueroa with Santana. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you later. Bye.